Possibly Speaking, a podcast that explores the highest spheres of spiritual thought as they find expression in our lived experience. Here's our host and the Mashpia of the Light Revealed, Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld. Now, as we said, after the children, these lost children who find themselves abandoned in the forest of their lives in the darkness of experience, they get visited by these seven enigmatic beggars, these seven enigmatic creatures of lack, deficiency, and disability. And what seems to be a sudden appearance of individuals who just offer food to the children turns out to be the source of all of their gifts. For as these children find themselves lost in the forest, they receive the food from these seven beggars. And as the narrative continues, the children get married. They get married in a pit dug into the mud. And it's specifically there that each and every one of the beggars that appeared to them during their time in the forest comes to offer them a gift, a Sheva Brachos gift. Now, the first beggar, the first beggar who comes along was a blind beggar. And the blind beggar says as follows. He says, now that I'm here with you, now that I'm with you at your chasana, I'm going to give you a gift. And my gift, says the blind beggar, is that you should be as I am. For you think that I'm blind, but in truth, I'm not blind. I simply remember so far back that the time of this world is insignificant to me, and it doesn't capture even the blink of an eye. What we encounter with the blind beggar, what we encounter with this enigmatic creature, is a certain gift that we contain within ourselves. When a person suffers, when a person finds themselves struggling, at the end of a year, Elul is the death of a year. Elul is when the year and all of the dreams of the year come to their conclusion, come to their point of completion. And very often, nearly always, because we're human beings and we seek progress, not perfection, we come in contact with the fact that there's certain dreams, certain expectations, certain hopes that I had for myself this year that weren't carried out. I was not able to follow through with the desires that I had for myself. I was not able to attune myself or develop my character properly. I wasn't able to maintain that cleanliness, that level of attention that I wanted so desperately to desire. And the curse of memory, the curse of memory very often is that no matter where I find myself, I'm unable to move forward because I'm so stuck in the regret and the shame of the past. The past pulls us down. The past tells us who we are. It tells us the stories about ourselves that define who we are. We look at our past failures and our hangups and our misgivings and our resentments and all of the different things that we need to make amends for. And instead of viewing them as aspects of ourselves that can be let go of in order to uncover the true self, we begin to see them as real characteristics of who we are. Relating to the past through the act of memory runs the risk of taking us from a healthy place of guilt that can motivate positive change in my life, that can motivate me to try and be better than I was in this particular year, to be a little bit more than what I thought I was capable of. 
And memory very often serves to do the opposite. It entrenches us down deeper into our stuckness. It's the swampland of the soul where I feel stuck because I don't see my actions as something that I've done that needs to be fixed. I view my actions and my failures as a defining characteristic of who I am. And as long as I am remembering back into those events, those past failures, I'm going to be stuck from the ability to get back up because my self-fulfilling prophetic wisdom tells me that even if I get back up, I'm going to fail. And there's a lyric from Simon and Garfunkel called The Boxer. And in this song, there's a powerful line that says, in the clearing stands a boxer and a fighter by his trade, and he carries a reminder of every glove that laid him down or cut him till he cried out in his anger and his shame, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains. There is a certain type of experience, a certain type of personality that carries every cut and every bruise as a reminder of how low we are, as a reminder of the inability of my capacity to change, of that feeling of helplessness, not the healthy sense of powerlessness that that motivates more change, but a helplessness that keeps me stuck in the confines and the shame of my past. And when we carry ourselves like this, when we look at those misgivings, when we look at every aspect of ourselves, when we microanalyze under the microscope of our self-judgment that every misstep, misdeed, deviation away from my ideal, it's another nail in the coffin of my inability to move forward. It's another nail in the coffin of my inability to change how I was into what I want to be. And in this area, Rabbi Nachman comes and teaches something very powerful. He says that in truth, by the world, shikha, forgetfulness is a terrible thing. A person doesn't want to forget. A person doesn't want to remain in a place of forgetfulness where they don't remember their past and they don't learn from their past. But says Rabbi Nachman, by me, there's very often a time where forgetfulness is the greatest thing possible. Because if I were able to remember everything, I wouldn't be able to get up in the morning. If I remembered every misgiving, every failure, every struggle, every shameful thing, that I mark myself with, I'll be paralyzed in myself. I will never feel that I have the capacity to move forward. So says Rabbi Nachman that sometimes forgetting is the greatest thing that we can possibly do. Forgetting about the past, forgetting about the future, and remembering now. This is the secret of the blind beggar. The blind beggar says, you think I'm blind? I'm not blind. I just see so far back. I remember back to the place of not remembering anything. I remember the fact that my life is starting again right here, right now. And the hischachas, the perpetual novelty and renewal that the blind beggar teaches the lost children is that when it feels too heavy as a result of the past, or when it feels too overwhelming as a result of the anticipation towards the future, we have to forget the past and we have to forget the future. We have to be blind to the past and blind to the future and focus singularly and solely on the present moment itself. Now, this doesn't mean that we stop learning from our mistakes or that we stop bringing our past experiences into our present experience so as to enable us to grow and to utilize the struggles that we had as the stepping stone towards growth. But when it comes to remembering the struggle and the shame and the difficulty that buries us, it's specifically there that we have to learn the secret of holy forgetfulness, forgetting about the struggles of the past year, forgetting about the oldness that this world brings with it, the feeling of things have been one way and they'll always be that way because they've always been this way. And remembering the secret of youthful renewal, remembering the secret of the ability to start one day at a time, one moment at a time, right here, right now. The previous moment doesn't matter. The next moment doesn't matter. All that matters is this moment in front of me. And to access that holy forgetfulness of closing my eyes to the fact that my mind is telling me I'm going to continue to fail. 
being like the blind beggar and receiving the gift of the blind beggar is the ability to remember nothing, to be so present in the present moment that the past does not hold me down and the and the future does not keep me stuck away from my goals. And as we enter into a process of moving forward, back up to Hashem, back up to our higher power, back to our better selves, back to our ideal selves, back on the road of progress that leads to a place far greater than perfection can ever lead to, what we must bring down into our hearts, into our minds, is the ability to forget, to forget my lowliness, to forget the shame, and to remember the goodness in myself, to remember that all that I have in front of me is right here, right now, God willing. Okay, so we're going to go on to the next we're going to do now, and again, this is Joe Zoe. This is just to kind of hold the space as as being able to being able to shift it, and we will uh, we will now start with the second beggar. On the second day of the Hasana that is taking place in the pit dug into the mud, carried carried. Sorry, let's skip that, and we'll start over here. On the second day of the Hasana, when the children are receiving their second blessing, they're visited by the deaf beggar. And the deaf beggar, just like the blind beggar, says to them, now that I've come to visit you at your Hasana, I am going to give you a blessing as a gift, and my blessing as that you should live a good life like I live, because you think I'm deaf. You think I can't hear, but in truth, I can hear better than everybody. And the reason I choose to remain deaf is because all of the noises, all of the sounds, all of the cries, all of the sighs, all of the songs, and all of the joy are all emergent from within a place of deficiency. All noise in this world emerges from a place of deficiency, and I don't want that, and therefore I close my ears off to it. The secret of the deaf beggar, as Rabbi Nachman explains, is that there's two ways of looking at life. There's a way of looking at life through a perspective of lack, through a perspective of not having enough, through a perspective of being stuck in a difficult situation, in a difficult territory, in a difficult space, and always just being saved from that place. Things are broken and I just survived the brokenness. Things are bad and I somehow am able to transform it into good. Things are painful, difficult, there's a void, and I just so happen to be able to create a, a fiction of meaning. And when I live my life in that perspective, when I am looking at myself and sighing here and there and reflecting on my life and saying, poor me, poor me, poor me, which we know leads to the secret of falling back into self-destructive behaviors, our lives will never be refined to the degree of the ability of finding calmness. Calmness is not something that emerges out of deficiency. Calmness is the decision to see beyond the deficiency. Rabbi Nachman is describing that there are many people who live stuck in the void, stuck in the abyss, and all of the language, all of the words, all of the desire, all of the expression comes from a place of brokenness, not a healthy level of earnest reflection on the self that brings one encounter with the difficult things that need to change, but a brokenness that allows me to sit and saturate and loiter around in the self-shame, in the, in the self-abasement of it all. 
And even when a person finds himself stuck in those low places, even if a person is able to speak words of joy out of that place, even those words are words that emerge out of deficiency. Because the only reason I'm able to speak words of joy right now is because I'm no longer stuck in those words of sadness. And for Rabbi Nachman, that's still not the good life that the deaf beggar wants to offer. We so often have a tendency to identify with our low spots, to identify with the things that are broken about us. Again, it is fundamental important to identify with the struggle, to own the struggle, to own the gift of what it means to be a person who is recovering from difficulty and moving towards closeness. But our joy cannot be dependent on the escape from the pain. Because if our joy and our calmness and the good life that we experience is dependent on having just escaped the pain, well, then I'm going to consistently and constantly be searching out those pockets of negative energy so that maybe, just maybe, I could escape it and experience that joy. And therefore, joy and the good life is going to be really bracketed and rooted and dependent upon my need to find myself in a stuck place. Uh, a desire for crisis, a desire for difficulty. The good life that the deaf beggar is teaching us is the ability to close our inner ear off from the deficiency of ourselves, of the world, and of other people. Yes, the world is a broken thing. It's a deliberately broken thing. That's how Hashem wanted to create it. Yes, there's pain in the world. Yes, there's suffering in the world that demands attention and that demands work through, working through. But if I attune my ear to all of the sighs and the difficulty and the brokenness, I'll never break free of that brokenness. There's a deafness. I can deafen myself to the pain. I can be aware of another's pain. I can hear another person out, but I don't have to enter into listening deeply, deeply, deeply and joining in that pain. I can be an empathic listener who maintains my sense of self without getting dragged down into that swamp of codependent sadness of misery loving company. And when I choose that selective hearing, when I choose to hear what I want, to hear again utilizing a quote from Simon and Garfunkel all eyes and jests to the man who hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. There is a deafness that we can choose for ourselves, that I refuse to hear the cries that come from a place of brokenness. Yes, I will celebrate cries that come from a place of hope. Yes, I will allow myself to speak words of wisdom and movement and elevation that is motivated by difficulty, but I will not allow myself to remain stuck in the difficulty because people are strange when you're a stranger and faces look ugly when when you're alone. And if I feel that all of the voices in this world are voices of emptiness, that I'm going to be sitting in emptiness all day. And I'm going to be sitting in the stuckness of the past year. When I choose to hear the words of positivity, when I choose to hear the goodness inherent, even within the insult, when I choose to accept the goodness and deny the negativity, that's when I understand the secret of the good life. The deaf beggar says, I'm not deaf. I hear better than most. I just know what I want to hear and what I'm not going to allow myself to listen to. Just because those words are spoken doesn't mean I have to integrate them into my being. Just because that person is saying something difficult or upsetting doesn't mean that it has to throw me off of my game and throw me into a state of trauma. I can choose to hear the goodness and the desire towards godliness that is emergent in every word of my speech. There's an exile of speech which is rooted in concealment and the redemption of speech is the recognition that every single word spoken every utterance ever spoken, every sigh, every krechs, every song, every share, every story, every attempt to communicate anything is simply the human being's experience of trying to cleave to that which is removed from me, my higher power. Everything, l'cha 
Dumya Tehila, my silence is praised to you, Rabbanu Shalalem. I can't hear. I can't fully listen to the world because it's so difficult. I can't listen sometimes to my own inner thoughts. And it's the secret of learning that just because it crosses the threshold of my mind doesn't mean I have to listen to it. I don't have to listen to the negative thoughts. I can say, well, that's interesting that you want to play this thought out on a loudspeaker again in my mind. I'm choosing to deafen myself to it. And when we learn the secret of closing our ears, outer and inner off, from the despondency of the world, from the def- difficulty of the world, the bleakness of the world, the brokenness of the world, we begin to hear the song of the world. We begin to hear the Shira of the Bria. We begin to hear the song of ourselves. We begin to hear the unfolding song of redemption, which allows me to take all of my experiences and transform them into, into a melody, into a melody of a shear that will carry me, that will bring me out of my space. It's a song that's going to take a person out of exile. And the only way to have a healthy song is if we ensure that we're not allowing those negative voices or those negative words of the song to interfere with the innermost message which is that I can be better I can do better I can move forward thank you for joining the Possibly Speaking family Possibly Speaking is brought to you by The Light Revealed a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery to whoever is looking for them our producer is Morty Schwartz our social media content team is Zoe Poznanski and Tehila Nassanian and our music is by Zushio. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please check out our website, thelightrevealed.org, and feel free to email us and Rev Joey at thelightrevealed at tlrfamily.org, or private message us on Instagram or Facebook at The Light Revealed. Thanks for joining, and we wish you the most blessed day in only revealed ways.